What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast. We have a great episode for you this week, but before we dive in, I want to take a second and I want to address what is happening in the U.S. right now. And you're probably saying to yourself, but Chris, this is a web designer, freelance web development podcast, and I didn't really sign up to hear about what's going on in the U.S., but... I feel like I have a responsibility and a conviction to say something to address the situation. First of all, I'd like to say, if you're a person of color listening to this, I would like to apologize for the injustice that you have endured for centuries. We as a country can do better. And second of all, I'd like to say that I'm taking steps as a white male to try and gain better perspective, to see how I can help the situation and not hurt it. If you'd like to do that with me, I'm going to be leaving some links in the show notes about resources that I have found helpful and have been encouraged to me to read or consume or listen to. And I know that as a country, if we keep going and if we keep working and if we keep our eyes on the prize of justice for every single person, we will get there. I want to be able to hear that my kids didn't have the same experience as adults that I have had and that my friends of color have had as well. This week, we have an amazing guy. His name is Josh Burns, and he is a freelancer who specializes in SQL Server Database Administration. I have to say it slow or I'm going to get tongue-tied. Here's the cool thing about Josh. In four years, he went from $0 to $500,000 earned on Upwork. And in this episode, he talks about all the things that he did to get there. He talks about his mistakes, he talks about his success, and he outlines a path for you to do the same. You're not gonna wanna miss it. Stay to the end, and without further ado, here is Josh. Josh, thank you so much for being on the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast today, man. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Hey, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got to be where you are today? I'm from a small area in central Kentucky. I grew up on my family's farm, basically after high school, I went to Eastern Kentucky University, which is a pretty small college in central Kentucky. I ended up getting a bachelor's degree in computer information sciences. I'm the first person in my family to ever actually graduate from college and pursue freelancing. I say to my YouTube channel a lot, but you know, I'm literally proof that pretty much anyone can become a successful freelancer if you're willing to put the time into it. Another cool thing is I pretty much will always remember the first time that I ever heard about freelancing. It was back in college. I was in a computer information sciences student club. We had a meeting like once a month and, it, you know, it was just a room full of a bunch of nerds talking about computers. I remember one girl did a presentation one, in one of those club meetings. She mentioned how she had done some freelance work on freelancer.com. At that time, that was the first time, you know, I pretty much ever heard about freelancer, a freelance platform or a website or anything like that. I wrote down the name of it. And then later that night, um, I went and did some research, looked through a bunch of jobs, you know, realized I didn't have the skills yet. I was still in college and pretty much learning everything at that point. I set the goal that later on when, you know, I graduated, developed my skill set and everything that I would come back and explore the jobs again. Now you've got a, a full-time job and you're doing freelance as a side hustle. Recently accepted a new job. I'm getting ready to start it next week. It's a full-time uh, work-from-home job. Um, I'll be at home. We'll be able to focus on, you know, my job more and not have to, you know, waste a bunch of time traveling. 
which is something that I, I was trying to get away from and finally did. Freelancing is still a side hustle for me. It's turned into, you know, a really great business for myself. And it's led to, you know, so many opportunities. Like it would be hard to even just even begin to describe all of them. So tell me about the process of after you graduated, you've got you've got your computer science degree. Now it's time to start looking into doing some freelancing. So what were the first steps that you took in the midst of that? Even like right before then, um, after graduating, I ended up starting out at a company that had a career path program, which was something that was important to me. I wanted to I wanted to make sure I could start somewhere that had some type of advancement program. I didn't want to just get stuck in, you know, one job that I could never get out of. So I started um, at a company that did have a career path program. They allowed me to basically explore different positions in the company find things that I like, and eventually I could work towards moving into that type of role. I basically, you know, just worked insanely hard. I was in a uh, entry-level support position. That's where I started out at. I worked extremely hard trying to impress management, did really well, and eventually decided that I wanted to pursue database administration. I had a class on that in college, a couple of courses, and I really enjoyed it. It was something that I always wanted to come back to and explore later on. We had a senior SQL Server DBA, and basically my manager let me start working with him. And that's how I first got into database administration. I would pretty much work with him like all day, come home at night and just, you know, on my local computer at home, I would just, you know, pour more and more of my time into learning database administration. You know, after I pretty much built my skill set up pretty well, around May of 2016, that was a time when I first created my profile on freelancer.com and Upwork. I did my first projects really cheap, you know, basically because I didn't know what I was doing and I need to build confidence in myself as, as a freelancer. After I got a bunch of five-star ratings and started to get some like repeat clients, I gradually increased my rate to reflect the level of quality that I was bringing. You know, starting out, I didn't know what I was doing. I started to build confidence in myself that I could actually perform work on my own with clients. You know, I got started on Freelancer and Upwork in around May of 2016. A reoccurring theme that I hear from freelancers like just getting started is that lack of confidence piece. And, uh, you know, being scared about what if, what if something stumps them or what if they make a mistake? So how did you combat that in the very beginning and overcome that? I basically focused on projects that were in the either entry level or intermediate range. I set myself up for success by focusing on those type of jobs so that client expectations for me, you know, wasn't at expert level. I bid a little bit lower on those jobs, but it, it set their expectations lower because they weren't expecting like the level that I give today, which, you know, I charge like a hundred dollars an hour at that time, I, it was around $30 an hour. So I was able to bid on those type of jobs. And then I was able to build my confidence up by working with clients because their expectations were way lower than what you're going to get with the higher rate projects. Would you say that now a lot of that anxiety about what you're able to do and provide has, has gone completely, or did you still kind of struggle with that? It's pretty much gone completely, and I'm I'm a lot better now at like only bidding on jobs that I know 100% I can deliver, you know, high quality value on. Initially, I would you know submit job proposals on tons of jobs, things that I thought I could do a, a part of it, but the other part I was kind of hesitant on. But now I really focus on setting myself up for success and only bidding on jobs that I know 100% I can give them the level of quality that they're looking for. So it's really managing your own expectations for yourself. And then therefore that helps the clients to manage their own expectations for you as well. So talk a little bit about the difference between freelancer and Upwork, because a lot of people are probably new to these terms or new to these platforms. What's the differences between the two that you found? Freelancer.com has been around a lot longer. Well, actually it hasn't. 
Upwork, Upwork is a new, newer company, but they were actually merged together from two other freelance platforms, which were um, Elance and Odesk. Those were before my time of freelancing, so I, w- I was never on those platforms. But those two merged together to create Upwork, and that was like, I think they merged early in 2016, like around January or February. So I pretty much started on Upwork, you know, just months after they had actually been formed um, from those two companies. Freelancer.com, it's been around, you know, longer as well, like Odesk and Elance were. There's not as many jobs on Freelancer.com that I found for my skill set specifically. The user interface is not what you're going to get on Upwork. The uh, experience that you're going to get as a freelancer or even from the client standpoint is not what you're going to get on Upwork. Upwork is by far, in my opinion, the best freelance platform that there is today. Upwork has more jobs. They're the largest freelance platform in the world. As far as like earning potential on freelancer.com, I think I've, I think I did like five or six projects on there. Hourly rate ranged anywhere from like, you know, $25 an hour to like a max of like $55 an hour is what I did on there. I really couldn't find anything more than that on Upwork. I've been a freelancer on there now for coming up on four years this summer. And I've made pretty much right around $550,000 so far. Pretty much every job I do now, other than long-term clients that I've had for a while, and, you know, they stay on um, rates I started with them on because they give me repeat work. Um, All the new jobs that I do now, they're all $100 an hour. I I think you're living proof of the fact that platforms like Upwork are, are not a race to the bottom. In fact, they can be really viable full-time platforms to live off of as a freelancer. That's a, that's one misconception is that new freelancers will go on Upwork and they'll start looking at jobs. They don't really know how to how to use advanced search to, to find the right job. So they'll end up finding jobs where like a client is looking for like lower levels of pay. Like they're looking to find freelancers who have low rates, but there's a wide variety of jobs and uh, different clients. So some clients, they want very high quality, pretty much all the jobs that they post on Upwork and then hire clients for are for, you know, the top talent. And that comes with, again, higher compensation. So you graduated college, you got a full-time job, you started gaining some skills, and then you just kind of went feet first into Upwork. So tell me about those first few months of, of getting clients. Did you get people that were interested immediately or did it take some time? It definitely took time. I think I created my profile on Upwork Around May of 2016 was when I actually started my first job on Upwork, but I created my profile probably like at least like two or three months before then. So it probably actually took me about three months to get my first job. And again, it came down to the fact that I didn't know what I was doing. I was just starting out. Uh, I submitted job proposals on jobs that I shouldn't have, just wasting a lot of my time, honestly. You know, diving in to the right projects to submit to is something that is really important for platforms like Upwork because, you know, there are thousands of jobs that could look like they might be potentially good for you. So, so talk about the process of dialing in jobs that you knew, like, okay, this would be a good one and this would be one that's not so good. And this was one that I'm going to stay away from altogether. I focus very heavily on um, Upwork Advanced Search. I use Advanced Search. I have that in some of my YouTube videos, actually, of me going through that process. I use Advanced Search to search for the exact uh, keyword of a job I'm looking for, which is usually in my case, always SQL Server. And then I set all the other criteria that I'm looking for. I only look at expert and intermediate level jobs now. When I first started out as a beginner, the only ones I looked at at that time were intermediate and entry level. The skill set is a big one that you want to set because that's going to play big into 
the compensation that you're going to be getting for those type of jobs and expectations of what the client is looking for as well. Other important things that I look at are the number of job proposals submitted. And this is something that's big for beginners. If you're a beginner, you're just starting out on Upwork and you go to submit a job proposal, there's a chance that that job may already have 10 to 20 job proposals on it. It could have, it could have been created like, you know, a month ago, for instance. So if you look at it and it has like 20 job proposals submitted, the chances of you submitting a proposal for that job and it getting noticed by the client is very, very, very slim. I pretty much focus on setting the number of proposals submitted, having it somewhere between the like five to like 10 range max. And then that ties into the next thing to look at, which is the date that the job was created. And then the last time that the client opened the job. So if you go submit a job proposal and you look at the last time a client opened the job and it was like two weeks ago, they're probably just not even interested in that project anymore, or they went a different route and they hired someone outside of Upwork. And now Connects is like such a big thing on Upwork. If it was that way back then, I would have just burned through all of mine so fast because I because I was submitting jobs. I was submitting job proposals on jobs. I had no chance of even getting noticed. Talk about that a little bit, because I know that that's been kind of a like there's some tension between freelancers and Upwork having to pay for bidding on certain projects, which is, you know, what they call connects. So do you think that's a good thing or do you think that's a bad thing for the platform? I've always thought it's a good thing, um, even since they, you know, first released that. And the reason for that is, again, going back to the number of job proposals submitted, it goes into a lot of freelancers submitting proposals on jobs that they shouldn't be. You know, someone may have like one small skill set out of the entire project. They may not even be able to deliver on the whole thing, but they'll still submit a job proposal on it because they're just trying to get as many job proposals out as possible. So I think one of the main reasons that they created this process is that it will limit the amount of job proposals submitted on a client's job. And that also helps out the client. I have, a, I have an Upwork employer account as well. One thing I can tell you is that when you have a job that you've created and you get like 20 plus job proposals submitted on it, like 20 to 50, you don't have time to go through and individually look at every single person that submitted a job proposal for your job. One reason they put in this new system with the connects is that it will it will greatly limit the amount of freelancers who are bidding on specific jobs. So the client has a better experience because they don't have to go through as many and they can really narrow down and find the talent that they're looking for. Are you still today bidding on projects or do you find that you're getting more interviews just kind of coming to you without having to take the first step? Yeah, honestly, uh, finding jobs myself is something that I rarely do anymore. I have long-term clients that I've worked with for you know pretty much since 2016 when I started. And then I get tons of invites. You know, I get invites every single week for jobs. So searching for jobs is something that I rarely do. I think right now I have like 200 connects on my Upwork account. So it's, it's pretty rare that I have to use any of them. What do you attribute that to? What do you attribute to the fact that you're not even having to go out there and search for anything that they're all just kind of coming back to you? It's definitely uh, due to the long-term clients that I have. Getting repeat work is something that is one of the best parts of being a freelancer. It alleviates you from having to constantly search for new jobs, which it gets really time-consuming, just overbearing. So finding long-term clients is like a big part of it. It really goes into quality that you're able to give clients. So again, that ties into the fact that I only look at specific jobs that I know I can deliver very high quality of work on. When I do that, it builds the confidence and trust with clients. And then uh, that leads to repeat work because when they have another project that related to the one that I completed, 
and it involves my skill sets, they think of me first because I did a great job on the initial project. I know that getting good feedback from projects on Upwork is also like super important to what's called your job success score, which makes you look good or bad to future clients or getting future projects. And, and I know that a lot of freelancers on Upwork have had a hard time kind of wrangling in clients to, to give them feedback altogether or just in the project. So ha- have you had that same experience and, and what have you done to kind of work around that? Client reviews is, you know, in my opinion, probably the, probably the most important thing of your profile. I really can't stress enough how important it is, your client feedback, your client reviews and your job success score. You really need to get as many as possible because that's one of the first things that a client is going to look at when they come to your profile. They want to see that uh, they want to see what other Upwork employers are saying about you to give them confidence that you can actually complete their job and be someone great to work with. Going back to the struggle of trying to get clients to give you feedback and give you reviews that you've worked with before. That is something that is is pretty difficult. Some of them are great and they will give you feedback and you know reviews right away as soon as you complete the project. For the ones that don't, even right now, I have like so many open projects on my account. I need to go through and clean up a bunch of them. But when I go through that process, what I do is I'll go through, look at the jobs that I've completed and I haven't had any recent repeat work from that client. I'll basically just reach out to them. I'll message them on Upwork or email. Usually try to keep all my communication in Upwork because that's what they prefer. But I'll send them a message and say, could you take the time and just give me a review and feedback on this project since since we've completed it? And then if you have something else that comes up in the future that I can help you with, then please create a new project and invite me to it. One time I, I, I kept emailing a former client for about a year and a half. They finally had something that they needed help with on their website. And I was like, I will do it for you but you have to give me feedback. (laughs) So it's funny. It's funny just, you know, because a lot of these projects take so much work and effort, you know, and there is a lot of back and forth between the clients. And so I think the clients kind of feel like, well, once I'm done, like I'm done, like I don't have any more to offer you. So, so figuring out those ways to kind of stay consistent, stay in communication, uh, is all super important. If it's a client too that was like new to Upwork and they haven't and they haven't had the need to create more jobs, like there's a great chance that they're like rarely even logging into their Upwork account after you've completed a job for them. So that's the thing where you were like reaching out to them through email. If you have that option, you have to do it to you know try to get them to to log back in to actually give you a review. Have you ever had clients try to take you out of the Upwork ecosystem and what did you do with that? Yeah, I have had that happen before. And I get that question like all the time, like usually my YouTube comments. I always tell them, you know, you you just can't do it. You don't want to risk it. Upwork's the biggest and largest freelance platform in the world. There's so many jobs that are created there. It's only going to continue to grow. You don't want to take the risk of like saving like just a small fraction of money because the more you make with a client, the lower that your fees drop. It's not worth the risk of trying to take someone off Upwork to save that very small amount of money when you could, you know, basically get banned from their entire platform and kicked off of it. I'll tell my clients the same thing. You know, I've put, I've put too much work, too much, too much grind and, and time into my, into Upwork and in my freelance career. Like it, it's not worth the risk. And I know a lot of people that have been kicked off of Upwork because of doing things like that. And, and they have systems to figure out if you're getting a lot of interviews and not getting a lot of projects, then that's kind of a sign that you're taking those projects off the platform. And, and I think even after about two years, they give you the freedom to kind of take your work off the platform with a client. So if you stick with it and, and stay connected to your customers and, and do a good job long enough, like eventually you don't have to worry about those fees anymore. 
They've been changing that up a lot too. I saw like some type of article like recently from Upwork where, you know, they did that exact same thing. They were explaining how they were making that process better that if you worked with a client for, you know, X amount of years and you guys want to continue your relationship long-term off Upwork, then they're going to help facilitate it. If, if you're doing this off of platforms like Upwork or Freelancer or whatever, you're, you're putting a lot of time and a lot of money into finding clients, into nurturing clients. And so to say I'm going to give you, you know, a certain portion of this project, it, it makes sense to me because they are cutting down your work and to a pretty great degree. Yeah, they're definitely cutting it down a lot. Um, I've actually worked with like a few clients off of Upwork and they've come from my YouTube channel. They've watched my SQL Server videos that I have on my channel and they reached out to me to help them with some type of SQL related project. The time that Upwork alleviates for you from having to find those jobs. And not only that, like if you get a client on your own, then you have to manage the whole relationship with the client. You have to manage the payment, the invoicing. Some of them don't pay you on time. Where in Upwork, if you're hourly, you get paid every single week on the same day, no matter what. And and having all that and, you know, them taking all that away from you having to do it is is by far worth it, in my opinion. So let's talk about proposals. What have you found is the best way to send a proposal that you know is going to be accepted by a client? Writing compelling and attractive job proposals is is pretty much one of the most critical elements when you first get started and when you're, you know, trying to hook hook clients in your job proposals. The way that I do this, I pretty much break all of my proposals down into five sections. The first section in the first one to two sentences, it's really important to grab their attention and try to hook them fast. It's definitely the most critical and the most important. Whenever clients are looking at all the job proposals that were submitted for their project, each freelancer, their profile picture shows up, their job title, and then the first one to two sentences of their proposal. So when they're going through and looking through all of them, the first one or two sentences really need to stand out because that's what's going to give them another reason to click on your proposal and actually read the whole thing. The second section, um, I provide examples of my work. I don't go into really great detail on it, but I try to give them a real concise, specific example relating to their project of something that I've done pretty much exactly the same. And when they're looking at your proposal, they want to see a reason why they should hire you. And if you give them an example of something that you've completed that directly aligns with their project, that's going to give them confidence that you can complete theirs as well. Third section, I basically just really briefly describe what separates me from other freelancers. Basically in like one to two sentences max, I'll just uh, dive into the reviews and feedback on my profile, tell them the number of jobs I've completed. And then I also will even list on my YouTube channel, pretty much any achievement or accolade that helps you stand out. That's what I use in that section. The fourth part in about two to two sentences or so, I just give them, I give them a reason why hiring me is the best decision, pretty much list out some things that I'll do differently than other freelancers might. And then the very last one, which is definitely one of the most important ones as well, is a call to action. So instead of leaving the client, uh, contemplating your proposal and likely just moving on, taking a look at the next one in the list, this is where you can give them a reason to take action. So what I do um, so I usually use a statement like saying like, hey, let's jump on like a 10 minute call and just discuss your project further. Free of charge, we'll just you know get to know each other better and, and talk about your project. Not only does that give a client the chance to to better understand your skills, but it gives you the chance to decide if they would be good to work with. Because not every client is someone that's good to work with. Not every project is one you should take. There may be things that they left out in the job description. So that initial call is something that's really important for me and it always helps set me up for success. How do you find the clients that 
you kind of realize within a call, like what types of things are you looking for that tip you off that this is actually going to be a nightmare? <laughs> yeah, it's it's something that I don't I can really tell easily now with working with so many clients. It comes down to mainly their attitude and their communication. I can pretty much tell very quickly if they're going to be someone that's good to work with or someone that's not based on how they're describing their project, the deliverables for it, just their whole attitude about going through the whole thing. It's just something that, you know, it's it's hard to explain, but when you get on a call with someone, it's way different than reading their job description and, you know, by their tone and, you know, how they portray themselves. It, it's pretty easy to tell if they're going to be someone that's good to work with or not. So give us an example of someone that you've been on a call with that you found out, hey, this is not going to work out and, and had to actually turn it down. So I've definitely had calls with clients where uh, we would start talking about their project and they would even mention that they had someone else working for them. It didn't work out. So they, they had to get rid of them to try to find someone else. And usually at that point, that that raises a red flag for the for, for the client. It could have been the freelancer's fault, but a, a lot of times it's due to them changing up things or their communication or just something with the project it was just an unreasonable expectation for the client. That's why reviews and feedback are a good thing as well. For freelancers, you got to be honest and give the client a good review and honest feedback because you can go through when whenever you're getting a job proposal, you can actually click on view job posting. And what that will do is it'll let you see all the past jobs that the, that the actual client has posted. And then you can go through and look at feedback that freelancers have, get, have given them as well. Yeah, I've heard that psychologists are taught in college that if you get a potential client that comes into your office and they start talking about all the other psychologists that they've seen and how they didn't work for them and they were misunderstood, and but they have a good feeling about you that you should instantly kick them out of your office and uh, not work with them because they're a psychopath. So <laughs> yeah, that's a major, that's a major red flag, definitely. <laughs> so let's talk about um, profiles because I know that a, a profile is something that a client will look at, you know, after that proposal, after they see, okay, this person is put together, like they seem, they've caught my attention. They've, they've shown me that, you know, they understand my project and they've worked on similar projects before. And then that next step would be, let's look at their profile. Let's see some of the ratings. So what do you do to optimize your profile for potential clients looking at you? Yeah, it really needs to be clean and like showcase my whole skill set for the type of jobs that I specifically look for. If a client is interested in working for me and they come to my profile, they need to quickly gain confidence in me and my ability to complete their project. I start off describing exactly what I specialize in. One of the things I have on it is SQL Server database administration. So if someone creates a job for SQL Server database administration, they come to my profile. That's the first thing they're going to see. So, you know, they found a freelancer who can deliver on the skill that they're looking for. Another really important thing that I do is I'll list out five of the biggest clients that I've worked with. I have like Stanford University on it, CBRE, some other like Fortune 500 companies. And what that does is it gives them confidence that that I've worked with, you know, big time clients. It helps build their confidence in me as a freelancer. And then again, client reviews, you know, I can't stress enough about how important they are. I always give uh, the example of like of Amazon. So like on Amazon, if you go to Amazon and you're looking to purchase a product, the first thing you're going to do probably if you're interested in the products, you're going to go straight to the reviews and see what every, what every customer has said about it. it. The same thing relates to your Upwork profile. If someone comes to your Upwork profile, they're going to go straight to your reviews and see what other Upwork employees are saying about you. So again, that's like so critical. It's, it, it's something that I've always focused on the most. I always try to make sure that I over deliver on projects to, to earn the best review that I can from clients. One other really important thing is the Upwork portfolio section. 
that, you know, for specific skill sets, it's even more critical than almost anything else. I know whenever I hired a video editor for my YouTube channel, I've worked with him since like 2018 now, but one of the first things I did when I went to his profiles, I went straight to the portfolio section because I wanted to see examples of videos that he had edited previously. He had links there to them. So that's, that's why the portfolio section is so critical as well. That brings up the fact that you, you aren't, and, and you've mentioned this before, but you aren't just a freelancer on Upwork, you're actually a client. And I, I encourage people who are getting started on Upwork to create a client profile and to actually do, have somebody do a small job for you. you know, don't, don't create a fake job because somebody's actually putting money on those connects. But, but to put a small job up on there to see what the process is, even if it's different than the skill that you're actually offering. Talk about what you've learned from being a client yourself. I mean, it opens your eyes to a lot of things that you wouldn't think of before doing that. Whenever you have an Upwork employer account, the first thing that's you know, the most noticeable Whenever you create a project, you're going to be able to see uh, freelancers who are submitting job proposals. So you learn the process of what a client goes through when they're looking through job proposals, and it helps you better orchestrate yours and figure out how to make them stand out. One of the main things that I realized from that was the first one to two sentences is what the client sees when they're looking through job proposals. So after I had hired um, Alex as my video editor, that was one of the first things I did is I started changing up the way that I created my first one to two sentences to make them stand out because most freelancers in their first one or two sentences, they'll basically list out how many years that they've, that they have a certain skill and they'll dive straight into, you know, basically like what, what it would look like on a resume. And what I try to do is change it up to tell them, you know, Hey, like your project really jumped out at me. It relates directly to this project that I've done in the past for this client. If you can change up the way that you do the first one or two sentences and make it stand out, it makes a huge difference. So are those templates or are those all from scratch every single time? So I do have a template that I use, but it's it's only for repeatable stuff and redundant things that are in my job proposals. Like when I do list out some of my accomplishments and like my YouTube channel and things like that, and then my closing as well, it's, it's really just a repeat and redundant things. But I always uh, custom tailor my job proposals for, for the specific job. If you have like a template, you pretty much you don't change much up in and you just submit it on a tons of jobs it really puts you in a situation where you don't have a great chance to get hired. You really need to customize it and make it fit the specific project that you're bidding on. So the only things I use from a template are just really redundant things that I always include. If you could go back and we'll just do like a time travel experiment here. <laughs> if you could go back and, and, and start the process on Upwork again without having any experience, what things would you keep the same and what things would you change about the way you did? Again, like early in my career freelancing, I just, you know, really didn't know what I was doing. My profile had too much content on it and it really wasn't optimized or attractive for clients. So there's tons of online resources for freelance content. On my YouTube channel, I have tons of freelance content on it. There's so many other online resources for freelancing and Upwork specifically. I wish when I first started out freelancing that I would have looked more into those. It would have helped put me in a better position when I first started out with my profile, my job proposals. And, you know, working with clients, I pretty much learned a lot of that stuff of my own, and I didn't look into enough resources that could have helped me out. So take it slow, do your research, study a little bit before you just launch and get going. So talk about the future for you. What's, what's coming up next and what do you have in the pipeline? Still focusing very heavily freelancing on Upwork. Like I said, I'm over $500,000 now. So, you know, next step there is a million dollars. I know I can definitely get there within the next two to three years. My YouTube channel, you continue growing it. 
I'm over 16,000 subscribers now and trying to get to a point where I'm uploading consistently every single week, just really focusing on the content that I'm producing there. And then on top of that, I'm also working on a course that I'm going to be hosting on Teachable. The first one I'm doing is a, it's basically a SQL Server database administration course for beginners. So I'm putting a lot of time into that right now down the road after that. I'll probably work on a freelance course at some point as well, whenever I get that one finished, uploaded and everything. So if somebody was trying to find you online, where would they go, Josh? Josh Burns Tech on everything. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube, on all those platforms, it's all Josh Burns Tech. Well, Josh, when you hit $1 million, will you come back on the Self-Made Web Designer Podcast and tell us about that? Absolutely, I would love to. Awesome, man. Thanks so much for being with us today. Such great insight. Appreciate you and all the best for you. Thanks again for having me on. I really appreciate it. Wow, such great insight from Josh. I hope you're encouraged by what he had to say, especially the fact that if he can do it, anybody can. And I've said that a number of times from my own perspective because truthfully, there's nothing special about me. There's nothing special about anybody who figures this stuff out. They just kept going long enough that they found success. So check out Josh's YouTube page, Josh Burns Tech. He's got a lot of insight on SQL Server database administration. I'm getting faster at saying it. He's got a lot of insight on Upwork, how to become a good freelancer, and you're not gonna regret subscribing and watching his videos. Next week, we've got another amazing guest. In fact, we've got amazing guests for the rest of the month. Guys, people that I have looked up to for years are going to be on the podcast and you're not going to want to miss it. So subscribe to the channel, put notifications on, do whatever you got to do because next Tuesday night at midnight, another episode is dropping. So glad that you're on this journey with us. And don't forget, if you don't quit, you win. <laughs>